Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Thank you. Just a couple of things before I start today's message. Um, I want to recommend a book to you that is called Miracles Today, The Supernatural Work of God in the Modern World. It's by a guy called Craig Keener. I have never read a book like it. It's an academic book. In fact, he did two volumes, which is just massive, of verifiable miracles today across the globe. And I've only read the first couple of chapters, and my faith has gone from here to there. It's, it's not easy reading, as in it's not a simple book, just as it's still quite thick, but he's tried to get his two volumes into one called Miracles Today, The Supernatural Work of God in the Modern World by Craig Keener. I'd highly recommend that book. Uh, the second thing I want to say is just thank you to the worship team, especially to Byron, um, who, you know, finds these songs. I don't know whether any of you recommend them to him, but thank you, Byron, for the songs that you found. And that one there is a song, again, that's right for us in the moment to raise our faith in a miracle-working God. So round of applause, come on, for Byron. And then the third thing I want to say, and these, this is the world we live in, guys. This is all connected. I want to pray for the Ukraine and Russia situation that's going on. Let's pray. Father, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This is your world. And Lord, we believe your word instructs us to pray for peace, not war. That we are are those who are to be peacekeepers and peacemakers. And we pray. They tell us we're a cat's whisper away from war in Europe. We pray that it could stop, Lord. We don't know what else to say. We do not want to see thousands that are swept into eternity at this time. Rather, we want peace for the gospel to go forth. Lord, we know there are thousands of Christians in Ukraine who are praying. We've seen pictures of them in the snow, kneeling and praying. Well, Lord, we join our prayers with them. And we pray that this war could be averted, that Putin would change his heart and mind, because the hearts of kings are in your hands. And so we pray there could be change even there in these next hours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, we're in the middle of this series called Red Letter Living. And I know you've all just sat down, but I'm going to ask you in a moment to honour the Word of God and to stand with me, because I want to read a passage to you. And if you've got Bibles, we love the Word of God. If you've got a Bible, then find it. If it's on a laptop or a, a, a smartphone, that's fine too. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 down to verse 27. And these are the words of Jesus that this series that we're doing, Red Letter Living, is founded on. Okay, so would you stand with me? This is to honour God's word. And we're going to read from verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7. I'm slowing down because someone said to me, you announce the passage and then you read it too quick and we can't find it. So I'm kind of filling in a little bit of space to help you find it. Okay, got it? Who's got it? That's, that's, that's 10% of you. I'll just wait a little longer for you uh, others, and then we'll go. Matthew 7, 24 to 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blow. This is very topical, hey? 
The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, the words of Jesus, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the same rain, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against it. And that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Please take your seats. If you don't know, and we're talking to you online who are watching, we're talking to everyone in the room here, core to everything we do here at C3. If you cut us, it's like Blackpool Rock, you'll find this right the way through. We are here to make disciples. And disciples are those who obey the words of Jesus. Not just those who know it, Ange talked about this so brilliantly last week, but it's not just those who know the word of God, but it's those who do the words of God. Jesus is very clear. Those who put my word into practice. And we are looking at the very words of Jesus in this series. And we're looking at five main principles. We'll have a rest from it next week, as Priscilla will bring a different word. But we looked last week at being. Go back and listen to that. Hold one another accountable for being with Jesus, as we said we would. Um, forgiving, which I'm looking at today. Serving, which is with uh, Mark Ritchie, I think. Giving, which is Josh Campbell, and then we'll finish. Going, which is with Daniel Rolfe. And they're all commands, they're all principles that Jesus spoke about that were to put into action. They're not just theory, they're action words, stuff for us to do if we're to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk today about this subject of forgiving. And I want to illustrate forgiveness, if I may, by taking a look at this couch behind me. All of you have probably got in your homes some kind of couch, settee, call it what you will. And for most of us, they'll look really nice. They'll be clean and tidy like, like this one. If you can see it, it's in good condition. It's one that we'll have in the next death lounge later. But every now and again, I guess some of you do what my wife did a few weeks ago at our home, and that's that you basically, you flip the cushions and you get the hoover out because when you look underneath, you'll find some things there that you didn't know were there. Maybe some stains. If you look on our couch at home, this arm here, especially right down underneath the cushions, is stained from one of our daughters when she had nail polish, nail polish remover, and it destroyed the couch. We've only, we'd only had it a week, and she was there, and it's leather, and it's all under here. It's stained. If you push down the back a little, you'll find some stuff, which I'm sure many of you are the same. There's a quality street wrapper, because it's been Christmas not long ago. There, there, there's, there's a sweet, there's a, a drumstick, which is half open and a bit sticky. Of course, there's a bit of money. You look under, if you're ever looking for money, go to the couch first. There's a, there's a bit of a rock, which is a preaching illustration for me later, which just happened to be there. Oh, oh, look at this. There's a cap. I've been looking for that cap. It's the cap of the greatest football team in the world. <laughs> Liverpool FC, we'll just leave it hanging there. 
No, we can't. Of course, there's always this, tissues, pen, more stains down here, coffee stains down here. Of course, the season we've been in, a stained, I won't go into detail, mask, paracetamol, pen. So that paracetamol shouldn't be under there. That's, that's, not, that's not good. And, and biscuits. You can always find crumbs, can't you, on, on, in the couch. Dylan said to me when he brought this on for me, he said, do you want me to hoover it? I said, no, don't hoover it. There's stains and there's mess and there's things hidden under every couch. And our lives are a lot like that couch. We've all got stuff that we're not proud of. There's all, we've all got things that are stains in our life. The Bible puts it in this way. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned. We're all on the same ground. We all need someone to forgive us for the stains. Now, what we tend to do, because we hide these stains... And I just want any of you to know who are listening or in here, and maybe you're new, and you think, oh, these, two, these people have got it too much together. They're too perfect for me. We're not. We're all sinners. I don't like the term sinners saved by grace, though I understand it. I prefer to say I'm a saint who was a sinner who's saved by grace because my identity is in my sainthoodness, which is the way the Bible describes Christians, by the way. Hello? Uh, so, but I get the... I get the I get the idea. We're all, all have fallen short of the glory of God. You go to funerals, don't you? And you hear these, oh, they led a good life and they'll, they'll be fine. They're in a better place. Are they? Is that a theology we believe or is it just by living a good life? Because everyone's led a life of inadequacy in regard to meeting the standards of God. All have sinned. You say, well, that doesn't sound like good news. It's great news because there was one saviour for all the sinners. If there wasn't a saviour, it would be bad news. But because there's a saviour, it's a good news. This is what we were, but this is what we can be. And this is what we are by the grace of God. Let me read another verse, Romans 3, verse 10. It just says this. There is no one righteous, not even one. No one was good enough except Jesus Christ. It's why we preach him and him crucified. That's our message. That's who we serve, and that's who we've sung about. Don't you tell me he can't do it. He can save anyone, and has. An apostle Paul, who we know him has, who was a persecutor of Christians, but he had a vision of the risen, glorified Jesus, and was saved, and his life was transformed. You and me, we talk about miracles. We are all miracles. I was talking to someone yesterday about my brother. I don't know whether you're, you're watching Brother Dave, but he always talked to me in his younger days when he, he went away from God and then he came back to the Lord. And now when anyone else becomes a Christian, he's used the phrase to me a number of times, I feel like I'm getting born again again. And he, he cries with these tears sometimes. And I remember someone saying to him, a man said to me about him, he said, he loves much because he's forgiven much. But that's all of us. We're all forgiven much. So we love much. There's one story in the New Testament which I just want to focus in on for these next few minutes, which is in the book of John. We're not going to stand for the reading of this one. 
But this is in John chapter 8. And this is a beautiful story. Some, some Bibles have it in the heading. This is not in all manuscripts. And it didn't make it into every Bible. Basically because it's so shocking. You think, this, Jesus, really? You're going to do this? You do this? Yeah, he does this. And it's a story about a woman who's actually caught in adultery. So this is John chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit of it and then, then make some statements about it. It says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Now, let me just pause there. Don't you think as soon as you read that, but where's the man? In case you don't know, we won't go into the detail of this, but to commit adultery takes two. But there's no guy here. But they bring out this woman, says she's been caught in the act of adultery, Again, this is detail the Bible doesn't give us, but my guess is she's naked. So she's standing before her accusers, and they're saying, look, we caught her. She's naked, standing there in front of all these men. And they say to Jesus, they're going to trap him. They're going to try and trap him. This is what they said to Jesus. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Now, let's just be clear. They weren't wrong about what the law of Moses said, but they didn't say all that the law of Moses said. They said, the law of Moses tells us to stone such a woman. This is what the law of Moses said, 22-22 in the book of Deuteronomy. If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. So they weren't wrong, but they weren't right either. And they bring this woman out and they're trying to trap Jesus. Honestly, my view is this man was in on it. He was part of the pharisaical group and they said, how can we trap Jesus? And he offered to commit adultery, but they knew he could slink off and they'd bring the woman. I think he's in on this. But they can't outwit Jesus. And so they bring him. Now the problem is, they bring her other. And the problem is, if Jesus says, yes, yeah, stone her, it goes against everything else he's been talking about, forgiveness and you start and fresh beginnings and being born again. If he says, stone her, that doesn't feel right. And if he says, don't stone her, then somehow it would seem like he's ignoring the law. And Jesus himself said, I've come to fulfill the law, not to abandon it. So they think we've got him. But these cunning hypocrites are outmatched. Go to the next verse. It says, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. <laughs> Can you, you imagine this? They've been hatching this plan. Let's catch the woman and the man in together, bring her before Jesus. They want to get an answer. Come on, answer us, you clever uh, teacher. And all he does is he goes down the ground and he starts writing with his finger. They've rehearsed this question. And now he, they just, he just doodles on the ground. He goes on to say this, verse 7. When they kept questioning him. <laughs> so they're pressing him. The woman's still there standing naked. They're pressing him. Give us an answer. This is what it says, verse 7. He straightened up and said to them, and, and isn't this wisdom 
let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. I find it fascinating what the Word of God includes. It includes, and I'll comment on this in a moment, the, the older ones going first. Why mention that? But what it doesn't tell us, and honestly, I've read some books on this, scholars debate this as if it's really important. It's just not really important, but they debate. wonder what he wrote on the ground. What did he write on the ground? Did he write, Jesus was here? Did he just start drawing a stick man? That's what I don't know. It's a stick man and a stick woman. The one I like the best theory is that he stoops down in the soil, the dirt, and he starts to write the names of some of the guys in the crowd. Abraham. And then he draws a line and writes something else in the sand. Maybe. Lust. And then he draws another line and writes, Suzanne. And then he draws a line underneath with another man's name and writes, husband of Suzanne, lust, Abraham, draws a line. And everyone's making the connection. Maybe he writes a few names down. And in the dirt, he's basically saying, I've got some dirt on you guys. We don't know. We don't know. All we know are, is that these are self-righteous, pharisaical accusers who are there before Jesus saying, go on, stone her. And they've all got the stones. Can you imagine them with the stones? Then they throw it. No, they don't. Because Jesus says something which causes them to drop their stones. The only one who could throw a stone of accusation that really had a right to was Jesus himself. But he doesn't throw the stone. And then it says, and let me comment on this, the older to the younger. Some say that's because they had more wisdom. I think it's because they had more dirt on them. Because they'd live longer. They'd done more wrong stuff and they knew is that my time over? They knew that they couldn't throw a stone because they were themselves were guilty. And then these are the words that Jesus says to her. Let's read it here. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one's thrown a stone? No, sir, she said. And I wonder whether he just went, well, neither do I condemn you. The one who could throw the stone said, I forgive you. Now he then said to her this, which is important, go now and leave your life of sin. So he kisses beautifully forgiveness but then an awareness, from here you live different. You're forgiven. You know what the Bible talks about? I'm going to use a very technical term but, and then explain it. 
It talks about justification. In a, a, a religious revival many years ago, one of the truths that was revealed, that was back again, brought back into center stage, was justification by faith alone. Very important truth. That we don't get justified by all our works and actions. We get justified, which li literally means to be declared not guilty by our faith in Jesus Christ. Some of us at Sunday school learned this, and I, you're going to have to go out here and rethink this. We learned that justification means just as if I'd never sinned. It doesn't really. There's an aspect of truth in that, but it doesn't really mean that. Because that's not adequate enough. When it says justification, when we're justified, not only are we declared not guilty, but the righteousness of Christ, the perfection of Christ, is imparted or rather imputed to us. So that when God looks at us, He looks at us, yes, forgiven, hip hip, but it's not just forgiven, it's righteous, and it's not because we never sinned, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Part of the joy of our salvation is knowing we're forgiven. You'll never not know what you once were, but you can know what you now are. And the joy of justification, it's not just as if I never sinned, it's I have sinned, but now I'm forgiven. And when God looks at me, it's through the blood of Jesus, and I am declared not guilty, righteous. It's been imputed to me. It's been, it's established in me. Now, I wasn't going to mention this, but there's a wrapper that I found. Have I dropped it? Oh, here it is. When I do Alpha Talk, and Richard Guppum's in the room, and he makes me do it every year, or has done for years, and I think someone else needs to do it. But I, I use this illustration all the time. Some of you have seen it. That when we were kids at Christmas, we had a black and white telly, and when we sat on our couch, the thrill of the year was getting a box of quality streets. We didn't just get quality streets. We weren't that poor. But we, got, we, had, we only had them at Christmas. And we used to unwrap... It was particularly the purple one with, the, um, with the, the, the chocolate and the nut in it, the hazelnut. And we would watch the TV through the filter of the Quality Street wrapper. And we'd say, look, our, our TV is a colour TV now. It wasn't, it was black and white, but it was one colour. And I remember watching the Avengers with uh, Steed, was it, all the way through, just through the wrapper of the purple wrapper. And then we took it to the table and we had purple sprouts and we had purple turkey. Everything was purple. The whole world was filtered through the purple wrapper. When God looks at you, He looks at you through the blood of Jesus. That means you can't be more righteous than you are right now because of His blood. Because Jesus was perfect. You are justified. Justification by faith. Through your faith, as the song said and Byron introduced, through our faith in Jesus, the filter of the blood of Jesus affects everything we do and who we are. We're forgiven. Now this side looked really miserable about that. You're forgiven. Pete McCallan, it's so good to have you back in church. Love your smile. I really do. The joy of the Lord is your strength kept you going but you haven't got it yet is your name Nicola you know you've done some stuff in your past but you forgive her do, do you know that don't ever hold your head down in shame lift it up he's the glory and the lifter of your head nothing you've ever done that he hasn't forgiven you for you forgive him
you've forgiven. This is what it says in the book of John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, some of us, the unrighteous lives we've lived, but we're forgiven. Yeah, the, 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 the cushions got flipped and we can see the stains that were there, but he washed them all clean. We're clean, we're righteous, forgiven. I wish there's so much more time I could have because what I really want to go on to say is this. I'm, I'm going to pray for some of you in a moment that you struggle with forgiveness. But you know when you've been forgiven, he who's been forgiven much loves much and love forgives. Some of us have got to get better at forgiving others. Hello? So he offends me. Hmm. He offends me. That's just Byron. I forgive you in the name of Jesus. Do you know why? Because I'm really forgiven. Really, I'm forgiven. How dare I hold a grudge in my heart to Byron? And it could be any one of you and chosen. He's just standing here. How dare I hold a grudge in my heart? Because what we do is, when you haven't forgiven someone, and I've been there, guys, you get them out, you put them in front of someone, and you whack them about. Look what this person did to me. Do you know what he's like? Whack, 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 whack. Then you put them back in the cage in your heart. And you go around, and that, that hasn't hurt the person. It's really hurt you. Because it's an obstacle to your prayers being heard. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. When you've been forgiven, it's so much easier to forgive. Oh, not easy. <laughs> easier. When you know I'm forgiven, then you start to forgive others. Because you know what you were, but you know what you are now by the grace of God. Isn't Jesus amazing? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. First thing I want to say before we go into a song of worship is any of you are struggling, just keep your eyes closed. Same online, I can't, I can't see you, but God can. You've got that past sin, error, wrongdoing that you're struggling with. It still, still comes back and it overwhelms you. I'm not going to ask you to respond because you know who you are. Just in your own heart now, reach out to God and say, God, can this be dealt with once and for all? Confess it again to him. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then I just want you to hear these words over you. You are forgiven. You've confessed it. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You're forgiven. Don't you go around with your head down any longer. Lift it up. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Now, secondly, this. You've got people that you need to forgive. 
Or, or let, me, let me just put this caveat in. Some people that you need to forgive, you're not then meant to go back into the situation where they can beat you up again. So we would never say to someone who's been abused, oh, go back in and get abused. No, no, I think I just need to add that in. Don't go back. Stay away. But that doesn't mean you still can't forgive and find health and wholeness in your own soul. And so I pray right now in Jesus' name for anyone listening online or in the room and you need to forgive someone else for what they've done to you. You may have been the victim. It was nothing to do with you. It was not your fault. Forgive them because you've been forgiven. And over by the grace of God go you. Forgive even as you forgive what they've done against you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In this quietness and calmness, I think some of you are just being set free right now. Free from your sin and free to be all you're meant to be as a child of God, living free from condemning others. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand together. Let's sing this beautiful song of worship as we run to the Father. for listening to this podcast we pray it's been a blessing to you why not share it with your friends and family through social media if you're not on the regular podcast list then why don't you subscribe thank you especially to those that give if you want to give to this ministry you can go to our website thec3.uk slash giving and get involved god bless you